0: In this list by Paul himself, in Galatians chapter uh, chapter 5, verses 22 to 23, may we take a look at that. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 to 23 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. So Paul enumerated these wonderful traits, manifestations, evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in a Christian's life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Self-control becomes the end cap of all these things. It started with love. Now... Let us look at Proverbs 25:28. Galatians chapter five is a wonderful passage. This speaks of the, the uh, church today, from the early church, from the time uh, Paul had written this uh, epistle up to our time today, and it has its, its continuing effect in our lives as Christians to these days. But let us look at what Proverbs says. Please follow me silently as I read Proverbs 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Just what is the meaning of this verse? Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. It was King Solomon who wrote these proverbs. And you know King Solomon. He is the son of the, one of the greatest kings of Israel. And perhaps you could uh, consider him the greatest king of Israel, King David. I have come across this uh, short script. And uh, for us to, to better uh, get a, a glimpse or clearer glimpse of uh, the mind of the writer of this proverb, King Solomon. In 2010, an ancient city wall was discovered in Jerusalem, and it was dated to the 10th century B.C. Uh, This 230-foot section is thought to have been built during the time of Solomon. As the already fortified or strengthened city of Jerusalem expanded, new sections of of this wall had to be built. It is conceivable that Solomon saw the breaches in Jerusalem's wall when he penned this proverb, when he wrote this proverb. Or perhaps he was overseeing the new wall construction and was inspired to write it. It takes a well-thought-out plan to do any sort of city engineering, a fact not lost on Solomon, who could easily spot the vulnerabilities of uncontrolled expansion or building. Now, 1 Kings 11, 26 to 28 records some of the repairs that needed to be made on the city of David, and Solomon placed Jeroboam over the labor force to manage the projects. Jeroboam was the man who rebelled against Solomon and later became king of 10 tribes of Israel. All that came as judgment from the Lord, because toward the end of his reign, Solomon turned away from the one true God and began worshiping the gods of neighboring countries. Now, imagine that as Solomon looked over large gaps in a wall being built and penned these words about a city ruined by a lack of protection, he could have been looking at the man who took away his family's power because of his own lack of protection in his life. And he is pointing to one particular area in the life of that person who lacks that protection. The one who lacks self-control. We see an important comparison in this verse. The New Living Translation puts it in this way. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. The writer of this Proverbs is saying that these two are on the same level. These two are even. They are being put in a scale indicating that they are even. They are equal. The picture that is being given here is somewhat unwelcoming and somewhat depressing. Could you imagine the writer of the Proverbs based on his understanding about God and based on his experience with God, wrote this, comparing a ruined city just because the wall was broken down into a person whose self-control was, uh, when you say the guard was down and he did not control his emotion. Can you imagine? And think about a Christian. Think about a member of the church who do not have self-control. And the Bible is clear when it says, that person is being compared to this city, which is supposed to be surrounded with fortified walls and protected from the attacks of the enemy. Yet when you ruin people's lives, actually think about it deeply, the first life that has been ruined is you, us. Us who lost self-control. So someone may ask, is it fair to compare a person lacking self-control to a city whose defensive walls have been broken and penetrated? Some of you, some of us will say, no, it's not. It's not fair. But that is the reality. Just as walls protect a city... Self-control is a wall of defense that protects a person. It is as simple as that. Well, people are happy to have walls or to to be in a city that uh, is being surrounded by walls, fortified, strengthened, strong walls because it gives them the sense of protection and sense of security. Now, on the other hand, self-control limits us But it is necessary. An out-of-control life is open to all sorts of enemy attacks. So think of self-control as a wall of defense that protects a person. It is a wall of defense that protects you and me. So we have to think about how we are going to exercise Or perhaps to, first of all, know how we are going to have self-control. But given the thought, given the reality or truth that it is a gift of the Holy Spirit, we put our trust in the Lord Himself, whose Spirit indwells us right now, that this gift has been given to us. But how in the world could a Christian, could a believer, whose life is being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, loses his or her control. Now, there is, there is a reality. There's a truth that we have to know. Self-control can be developed. Aside from the truth that it is in here as a gift, it can be developed. It can be strengthened in us. Self-control can surely be developed, but take note, it is not automatic. It will never be automatic. It is learned. It is to be exercised. We should not expect that self-control will come to us naturally. If we do that, it, is, it puts us in a, in a very dangerous position. Because we will be thinking that maybe the Holy Spirit is not real. This gift is not true. The Bible is not real and my faith is in ruin, total ruin. But the question is, why did Paul write to the Galatians about this fruit? Was it to let us know? What is to let the Galatians know that this fruit would automatically be produced in us? We have to produce this in our lives. We have to know, as we dig deep into the Bible, that it is a gift. A person could not have this gift without the Holy Spirit in his life. Of course, it is not in the way that it comes naturally. They were told, or that the Galatians and the Christians were told, and we are told right now that as spirit-filled believers, we need to partner with God in producing this fruit in our lives. We have to partner with God. We see, we go to prayer... And thank the Lord for the gift. Lord, thank you for the gift that you have given me. And all sorts of gifts, we memorize them. We even enumerate them. And tell other people, I have this gift already because I already have the Holy Spirit. But the question that comes next would be, how are we exercising this gift? How are we appropriating these gifts? That's a big question. Remember that the moment a person surrenders his or her life to Jesus and receive him as personal Lord and Savior, that person was given a new life. And as a person who had received new life, we have to walk close by the one who had given us new life so that we will grow mature as we walk closer with him. Amen for that. We are just like newborn babies the moment we receive Jesus Christ. And as a newborn baby grows with uh, with, the... The parents nursing the baby. We are like that infant who grows uh, slowly and uh, surely as we walk close with the Lord. So the new believer has been given the command to continue to walk with the Spirit in order for him or for her to live a life that is pleasing before God himself. A life of obedience A life of victory. So we see that becoming a a Christian does not mean living a life free from challenges. We have come to realize as we continue to study the Bible that the Christian walk, the Christian life is not a bed of roses. It's not just like uh, you walking in the clouds and say everything is fine. And I'm going to live happily ever after. It is not in that sense, brothers and sisters. This is a very uh, challenging thought that we are going to learn and will continue to learn. We will not stop learning uh, this truth. Becoming a Christian is entering into a constant struggle. It is a constant war. War, first of all, against ourselves against our own desires, against our own thinking, which are, in most cases, uh, being pulled away from the very truth of the Bible and instructions of God himself. Now, in this war uh, of life, we can either walk by the Spirit or we can give in to our desires, which are not pleasing before the Lord. So this is the very reason why the Bible teaches us to be filled with the Spirit in Ephesians 5.18. To be continually filled with the Spirit and to walk by the Spirit in Galatians 5.16. So Paul is so filled with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit so that he knew very well, he knew very well how would a Christian uh, should walk or walk in this world filled with challenges. In that sense, we are fighting a war. We are running a race filled with challenges, filled uh, a race, a road, a way that is filled with bumpy, uh, I mean, shocks as we go along as we walk. And Paul is so clear in giving us instructions be continually filled with the Spirit and continue to walk by the Spirit because otherwise you will not be able to realize the working of the Holy Spirit and you are going to put off the working of the Holy Spirit in you as a Christian. So it takes Bible knowledge. It takes a closer walk with the Spirit. It takes personal effort to develop and exercise self-control. It is a constant war with ourselves because lack of self-control is an issue within us. We should not blame others for something that went wrong when we are involved. Let us go to God and say, Lord, help me to examine myself. Lord, please search me. Bring into open that which is not pleasing before you. Anything that I have done, Lord, anything that I have said that hurt the feelings of others in the church, in my family, my friends, please, Lord, search me. Let's go back to ourselves. That is why Proverbs 25, 28 uses a war-damaged city as an example. We are looking at the group here uh, in this Proverbs. Uh, King Solomon was looking at a group of people who were supposed to be highly secured and protected through the city walls. Now, this is the idea now that is being given to us. We are looking at people like in the church, like the body of Christ. We are supposed to be surrounded with this wall. Like as an individual believer, we are supposed to be surrounded with this wall of self-control. Since the walls have been broken down, there are times we are in ruin. Our security has been breached. So friends... A person without self-control is susceptible to all kinds of attacks from the enemy. And think about ourselves. There is an enemy, and he wants to attack us. He is the enemy, the devil, Satan himself. Now, we are in a constant war. And like the military in any countries, they have to train themselves before they go to war. They have to undergo trainings. They have to undergo uh, lots of studies about their enemy, about the strength of the enemy, and about how strong they are as an army, about their, their ammunition, how, how huge do they have as, as resources so that they'll be able to win a war. In the same manner as Christians who are being in this war, in this life on earth, We have to train ourselves very well. And part of that training is to be able to know some areas in our life that need self-control. Well, self-control could be defined as managing ourselves. Managing ourselves. Self-control can be defined as controlling ourselves. But I like the word managing ourselves. And to be able to have this... Uh, proper management of ourselves, we have to know some areas that need attention. Now, we understand that self-control is a spiritual warfare. We have to go deep into the Word to be able to identify areas in our life because uh, if we do that on our own, we are, our tendency is to cover up. We say, oh, I'm strong in that area. I am am a very humble person. I don't have pride. I I am a very humble person. And I have to tell you that. Proudly. (laughs) Something like that. Uh, It is a spiritual warfare. And that the better trained we are all around, the more we are protected against our enemies. Against the attacks of the enemy. Take, for example... Jesus Christ, our ultimate example, when he was tempted in the desert by the devil, he exercised complete self-control. In what way? He held the Bible. He held the Word. He knew his Word. He knew, he knew the Word of his Father very well. He went into the Word, and he depended on the wisdom of the Scriptures. This is what... It means to be in a spiritual battle, and yet you know your ammunition, and you know how it is to win the battle. And in this particular moment, it's self-control that surrounds you. And who strengthens that self-control in us? Who helps us to realize that we have this wall, and we have to, to fortify this wall? It is the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will help us understand His Word. So we are. We have some areas in our life that are weak. First, the body. Second, our thought. Third, our emotion, and so on, and so forth. What is all about our bodies? Our bodies. When we, we when we think of our bodies, we have the tongue, we have eyes, our ears, our hands, our feet, and the Bible speaks so much instructions and so much things about all these parts of our bodies. Think about James. He talks about tongue. Think of, of John in his epistles. He talks about the eyes, the, the, the lust of the, the eyes. The temptations that our ears could hear and entertain. Our hands that, that, that are doing things that are not pleasing before the Lord. Our feet that are uh, doing some things that are not really pleasing before the God of heaven and before our Creator. Every day, people give into these desires of the flesh, of our bodies to their own destruction. Which one might be of struggle to us? The eyes? The Bible tells us many things about how to control the eyes. Even Jesus Christ, in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about gouging the eyes if it sinned or one of the eyes had sinned. It's not literally removing your eyes, though. It is something that the Lord uh, is instilling in our hearts that we have to put our guards up always, so that when we see something that are uh, not in line with the will and plan of the Lord for our lives and for the church and for our families, we would check our eyes. We would check our ears. We check our thoughts and everything about us. What about our thoughts? The desires we face in our thoughts of life are often more difficult to spot. We cannot see the thoughts in our minds. Now, the question is, what do we entertain in our thoughts? Uh, Some years ago, I came across... A study about thoughts about the brain in one minute our brain would actually entertain or receive thousands and thousands of thoughts now imagine if we if our brain could receive ten thousand ten thousand thoughts in a minute if 90 percent of those thoughts are corrupt what would happen to a person even when you say, well, I read the Bible, maybe 10% of those thoughts that come into my brain are holy. Now, let's, let's uh, set aside the word holy. Just say righteous. They're of the same level. <laughs> because we are talking of the holiness of God, by the way. But here some people would reason, well, I read the Bible, perhaps I receive in my brain, I entertain in my brain, some holy things, some righteous things. And what are those things? If 90% are corrupt and they... Cover the righteous thoughts that you entertained in your brain, in your mind, what would happen of a Christian? Whenever we are in the church and we say, I'm in the church because I worship the Lord. Yet at one point in the time of worship, Satan invaded your mind and inserted a thing that's so hurtful in the past and you begin to you begin to process that in your heart you know what one i heard one preacher who said even in your most intimate time with the lord the devil can invade your mind so it is a constant battle even in your most uh, intimate devotion prayer time study of the word in front of our god the devil can still uh, invade the thoughts in our minds. So, my friends, it is a constant battle. That is why the Bible uh, tells us above all, the, uh, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Guard it. It is not through your own strength, it is through the Spirit, it is through the help of God Himself. We have to control what we take in as a way of controlling what we think about and what we do. What about emotions? A person without self-control is susceptible to all kinds of attack, even our emotions. Whatever we entertain in our mind, we think of them. And we speak them out. And we act them out. And so there's a need for us to continually go back to the Lord and say, Lord, help me as I make the first step. As I go out from my home, help me to depend on you. Depend on you for the thought that I entertain in my brain. Depend on you on the words that I speak to people. So that when I I begin opening my mouth, whenever I am in the fellowship or in the church, no one will be hurt. But if at times we fail in, in, in one of these areas in our life, there is still a hope we can go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I am supposed to be a light in this community. What would happen to me as a light and salt in this community if I am not strengthening my wall, my self-control, the way I manage myself? What is the use of me as a salt in my home if I continue to Nag my spouse? What is the use of me as a salt in my home... ...if I continue to, to lash my son with my words? What is the use of me as a light in my community... ...in my Christian group... ...if I continue to say hateful words to people... ...and say, I don't like that believer... ...I don't like that brother or that sister? He or she continues to hurt my feeling. Even when the person doesn't do anything now, but there's a wound that is in there, lingering. The hurt lingers. And so you continue to hurt. The Bible tells us we are supposed to be light, instruments of encouragement, instruments of hope, instruments of peace, wherever we will go. My dear friends, self-control. It is a wall that protects us protects us not for our own glory, but for the glory of our one and only true God. That is why we we need to go back again and again to Galatians chapter 5 and, and feel the heart of Paul towards the church. You see, if there's someone who had come to love Jesus Christ and had come to love the church more than his life and more than anything else in the world, it was Paul the Apostle. So he was ready to die for the church and for Jesus Christ what about us even surrendering to the Lord his pride he said Lord I am yours totally what about us as individual believers as members of AIC it is our prayer it should be our prayer that the Lord will continue to, to shape us in this manner that he would allow us and give us strength continually to train ourselves in this way so that we will continue to order our lives according to the wisdom of this book, the Bible. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this important lesson on self-control. We cannot have it without you indwelling us, Lord. And we cannot be strengthened In the way that you want us to be strengthened, using, appropriating this self-control as a gift from the Holy Spirit without you, guiding our steps, guiding us. So we come to you in prayerful dependence. We come to you, Lord, and draw strength from you, alone from you. Help us to walk this life in the way you want us to walk, oh God, in holiness, in uprightness, in being righteous in everything that we do and think.